Hi, I'm Peter Wazinski. Welcome to Besieged, a podcast about Putin's invasion of Ukraine. To avoid any direct military intervention, the West has imposed a series of financial and economic sanctions against Russia. But what are they? And what does the West hope to gain? In this episode, Alistair Milne, a professor of financial economics here at Loughborough University, explains the punitive measures that have been put in place and talks about what needs to happen long term for the West to stand any chance of resolving the conflict. Okay, Alistair, how are you doing? Welcome. America, I'm doing fine, thank you. Brilliant. Um, can you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do and your, your area of expertise, please? So I'm uh, Alistair Milne. I'm Professor of Financial Economics in the School of Business and Economics here at Loughborough. Um, my special area of interest is uh, financial transaction technologies. I mean, nowadays we talk about fintech, but actually we've had technology for transactions around for, uh, for 50 plus years. So I'm, I've been interested in all the historical and contemporary developments. Excellent. Um, and you're, we've invited you here today because we'd like to um, pick your brains about the sanctions that have yeah. been imposed on, on Russia. Um, but can we start very simply and um, just ask, um, what do we mean when we say sanctions and what, what is their purpose? Well, we've, we've responded uh, to a, um, a, a military invasion uh, by, a, by a range of non-military actions against uh, the Russian state and Russian individuals and Russian companies. So they're actually very wide ranging. There are financial sanctions on which um, I have some particular expertise, but there are also other, other forms of sanctions like seizing of assets, uh, oligarchs, yachts, and that, and that kind of thing. So it's actually very wide ranging. It's all types of measures which are intended in one way or another um, to pressurize Russia and Russians and lead to a, a better outcome in terms of this current crisis in Ukraine. Okay, so we'll start from the beginning. So, um, so what what were the first sanctions that were imposed, um, and then subsequently, what has been done? Has, has it been ramped up? Are we looking at one set of imposed sanctions that stuck? Yeah, um, it's been a whole series of sanctions. If you if you actually start looking at the detail, I'm not sure all the detail has been prominent uh, in the in the uh, TV and radio and other news. Um, the sanctions actually started before the invasion on the 24th of February. So Ru Russia invaded Ukraine, crossed the Ukrainian border uh, in late February. But there was a lot of discussion before then about military build-up on, on the border. And, and so a number of sanctions were being um, mentioned and uh, were, were developed even, even before um, the, the 24th of February. Uh, I, th I think I counted there'd been something like 60 different announcements of sanctions by, by the US, the European Union and other countries um, uh, altogether. And they vary quite considerably. So a lot of them have been assets against, uh, actions against individuals. Mm. Um, so they, these have included travel bans, um, seizures of assets. Um, and these have been for people who've been prominent in both business and in politics. So Putin and his close associates certainly can't uh, travel for a holiday in, in Europe or the West uh, at the moment. Uh, and the idea, uh, there is, it's, the idea there is that they will, that will have um, uh, the, the oligarchs who've had these sanctions imposed upon them will, will then put pressure on Putin. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying, what's the idea of those sanctions against individuals? Hmm. Um, I think that the hope is, is that these are all people who have an influence over Putin, uh, 
as well as you know being sanctions on Putin himself. And so the, these oligarchs maybe perhaps persuade him that it's not been such a good idea uh, to invade Ukraine. But I think the reality is that I think, first of all, uh, Putin and his the people around him were expecting sanctions of this kind. You know, they didn't they they, they weren't naive. They knew there would be a, a backlash. And uh, actually, the oligarchs don't have that much direct influence on Putin. So they they depend on Putin and the and the Russian political leadership for their access to Russian resources and for their wealth, hmm. rather than the other way around. So it's not that Putin depends on the oligarchs; the oligarchs depend on Putin. So I think those particular sanctions, while important uh, for for showing we're we're trying to do something, I'm not sure how effective they are. Okay, um, what will hurt him the most? What will hurt Putin the most? Which yeah, so which... that that's I think that's the key question: is what what yeah. will really hurt uh, in in terms of sanctions? I look, let's say beyond the, in, the the sanctions on individuals, which I don't think make make such a difference. Um, there are there are major economic sanctions, um, and I think those have um, fallen into two groups. Firstly, are the purely financial sanctions uh, against banks. And, and the most important of those has actually been the sanctions against the Russian Central Bank uh, and also the Ministry of Finance and their so-called Sovereign Wealth Fund. So what that's, uh, you know, Russia holds an immense number of financial assets in the West, in New York, in London, in other financial centres. And what we've done is essentially um, frozen those, those, their access to those assets until some future date when the, when the, uh, Military situation has been and political situation has been resolved. Um, what, what, what's so that, re- that really hurts them a lot. Yeah. What, what what does that what does that do? What is the impact there then if their if their assets are frozen? Yeah. Well, well, first it's just the scale. Um, so um, Russian foreign reserves they're referred to are around six hundred billion dollars, and and two thirds of those are are held in the West. So they've they've suddenly lost an awful lot of money and they don't quite know when they're going to when they'll get it back, if ever. So that's money that can't be spent on imports that might support the war effort. Uh, And it's also um, put an immense pressure on the the Russian economy. So the exchange rate, it's recovered somewhat, but the exchange rate uh, fell dramatically on on that particular news. And and couldn't is there any way Putin um... Sort of scraping some money back. I know that he's asked for gas money to be paid in rubles. Will, will that help? Will that work? Yeah, I mean that, that, that's a, a good example of how he might fight back against these sanctions. So, I mean, what does that actually mean when he says payment in rubles? Well, it's saying you won't allow me to access my dollars overseas. Okay, you 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 do the transaction yourself first before, in order to pay for the oil or the gas or whatever else you're purchasing from us in Russia. So you're going to have to, and how do you get the rubles? Well, you're going to have to give us that foreign exchange in a form which we can use it. So they're, they're, they're trying to force, uh, force a form of exchange that will give them, uh, give them something that they, they themselves can use for, for imports. But it's actually a little bit unclear how that's going to work out in the longer term. Uh, um, perhaps what that means is uh, giving, giving Russians Chinese currency, Indian currency, um, okay. uh, assets which are held in jurisdictions which are not uh, so fiercely imposing sanctions on Russia. Are we reaching a, a point maybe in the not too distant future where there might be some um, limits on or sanctions on the energy exports? Is that a step too far? 
do you think? I think that's where we're, we're perceiving a certain kind of divergence of view or divergence of interest amongst the countries of the West. So it's been quite easy for us to agree, let's, let's freeze all the central bank and other state uh, assets held overseas because we don't directly suffer uh, from that. Because if we, if we stop taking Russian exports and we say, we're not gonna pay you at all for those, and we're not going to allow those payments to find their way around around the, the other existing sanctions. So you can't use that money for any any military or other purpose. The problem with that is, of course, is that we a number of countries, particularly Germany and Italy, um, are quite dependent on Russia on imports of energy from Russia, uh, particularly gas, but also but also oil, and. Uh, you know that that's going to be quite hurtful for the, for their own citizens and and therefore their own politicians could get blamed by their their electorates. So it's kind of a weakness of our democratic systems that we it makes us a little bit reluctant to take the the strongest possible measures um, because of the, the 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 impact it could have on us. So so far we've been reluctant to um, limit purchases of uh, of oil and gas. And, and that means to some extent, foreign exchange potentially could still be reaching the Russians and could be used to support their economy and for, for military purposes. Up until now, what, what would you say were the main pluses and minuses of, of everything that's been imposed? Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the biggest plus for me is the demonstration of a, a strong reaction across Western democracies. I mean, there's been a, a an agreement on actions that ne needed to be taken, at least in these early stages of the war, it, um, which uh, I, I don't think Russia was expecting. I think they were expecting the West to be more divided. Um, so it's been symbolic of the Western unity, at least to the, um, as a first response. Um, the minuses, I think, are twofold. Um, firstly, the impact is going to be probably more medium and long term, at least on the military. Uh, the, the military impact. So Russia's been preparing this invasion. I think we can we can say clear now in retrospect, they've been preparing this invasion for something like more than a decade. Yeah. Um, perhaps uh, you know, Putin has been in power for over 20 years. And I think he's had something like this in mind from yeah. uh, very early in his um, uh, in his presidencies. Um, so you know, the Russian military does not need in the near term, they've, they've got their own energy resources, they've got grain, which they can feed their troops with. They've, they've shown a lot of weakness militarily, but still they can keep going as long as they've got manpower and they've got um, munitions. Yeah. And, and foreign exchange isn't going to make much difference to that in the, in the near term. Longer term, it could make a difference. Um, Perhaps another another sanction I haven't mentioned, which I think has also been important, has been bans on various types of imports into Russia. So particularly yeah. high tech uh, imports, military uh, equipment, um, high technology uh, electronics. The absence of those over time will presumably erode uh, Russia's ability to uh, uh, military um, uh, abilities because they don't have the the, the skills and the to and the technologies to do all that themselves. Yeah. So they, they talk about high, high precision artillery strikes, and the Russians will will, will talk about the, the technical capabilities of their air force. But those actually depend on ultimately on Western technology in the longer run. 
but it doesn't stop them using those those weapons in the short term because they've 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 already, they've already bought that technology. It's already embodied in their systems. Do you think militarily they'll erode first, or or do you think morale will go first? Well, that's the big and un- unanswered question. So. Um, uh, Clearly, the well, from, from what I know, and again, I'm not a military expert. It yeah. appears that the morale of the Russian troops are pretty low. Mm. But if they're if they're simply um, using long distance artillery, cruise missiles, um, and, and 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 all the heavy weaponry, and and, and also a, a substantial air force they have, you know, the the morale of troops on the ground may not matter too much to them. The other side of morale, of course, is the morale of their population and and that's where the broad economic sanctions may or may not it's 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 very difficult to tell what impact that's going to have um you know maybe it'll have the effect of turning many members of many russians against the war in 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 ukraine but then on the other hand we know how tightly um the russian system controls the media and that it could be a, sim- a similar effect to what's happened with sanctions in other countries, such as Iran, for example, of the political power has actually been strengthened by external sanctions. It's an e- external enemy, um, which uh, and they can they can portray the West as attacking Russia, and that may lead to a kind of surge of patriotism, which in the sh- at least in the short term strengthens Putin's political position rather than weakens it. So it's. Again, highly uncertain. I, I would not claim that sanctions have a very obvious effect, um, even on morale, because it may, may actually strengthen the position of the military and political leadership in Russia rather than weaken it. Uh, this, this might be this might be a difficult question to answer, but are there are there any sanctions that we that we haven't heard about? That's a bit of an oxymoron. But uh, are there any things that that haven't been publicly announced that um, that we know have gone on? Let me ask, this isn't quite the question you've answered, but I think it's the it, it's the aspect of the sanctions which has perhaps been l- less than clearly portrayed in, 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 in the newspapers and on TV. Um, the economic impact, I think, has been particularly marked because so many Western companies, international companies, have stepped back from Russia. So mm. the, the actual measures governments have taken have been... Um, in a way, quite limited. They've, they've been seizing assets, uh, of, or, or, or should we say, freezing assets of the central bank and other um, other Russian state actors. Um, they've been limiting payments to and from Russian banks, um, but Western companies and, and and you could you know we're talking about the largest companies in the world, which have had um, you know fairly substantial activities um, in Russia, whether it's um, providing goods and services to Russian consumers or facilitating exports of oil, gas and natural materials and uh, uh, also tech, uh, also skills like computer programming out it's of Russia. Companies like Apple and... Um... Yeah, so Apple yeah. stores have been closed. I think, that, yeah. that's, I think the significance of this is it's the, the Russian middle classes, those who have somewhat higher incomes, who are particularly... Uh, um, living particularly in in the major cities, Moscow and St. Petersburg. So they've been very badly hit. Um, many of them have lost jobs, um, what they're used to spending their money on. Um, they can no longer, for example, travel on foreign holidays. In effect, stopped almost completely. Um, 
there that they can no longer buy things like like Apple iPhones and other and other technologies, uh, at least not not directly from Apple. They might somehow find their way around the sanctions indirectly. Um, so huge impact on on the middle classes. Um, but of course, the broader Russian population less direct. I think ultimately they might be affected by things like limitations on the import of Western medicines. So the health service in Russia will begin to take a hit. But again, that's something that will have an impact only slowly over time. Under what conditions do you see them being removed? I mean, obviously the war to end, um, but is there anything else that you could that you can foresee where some of these sanctions might be lifted? But, but I think the biggest challenge in the way we've done, I, I think so, you know, to, to summarise what I said so far, I think um, sanctions have been very effective in terms of bringing home uh, to the Russian people and to the Russian leadership that the, the West is very determined to try and oppose uh, their invasion of Ukraine. Uh, so in that way, they've been very effective indeed. Um, and they've also had a, a, a big effect on the Russian economy, but not their ability to um, continue their war, at least not in the short uh, shorter term. Um, I think the big uncertainty is, though, what exactly are we trying to achieve through sanctions? If it's not a immediate impact on the military situation on the ground, and I, and I don't think it is going to have that effect, mm-hmm. uh, are we trying to affect regime change? Are we trying to kind of force Putin out of power? Well, I, I, I don't think that will be the effect. If anything, it may strengthen him. Yeah. And, and but yet we're not being clear what, what, what the conditions are. If, if Russia, and this isn't going to happen anytime soon, but if they say, okay, we give up, we're pulling out of Ukraine. Would sanctions come to an end? Well, I think they're gonna stay in place for some time because of the, the all the evidence of war crimes that have taken place while Russia has been in Ukraine. And, and because the, the private companies that have conducted, um, you know, many of the most um, biggest impact have come from the voluntary decisions of multinational companies to pull out of Russia yeah. rather than the government actions themselves. And again, those weren't, won't change uh, even if Russia leaves Ukraine though all, all those um, sanctions those, um, and measures will still remain in place so we, it's quite unclear what happens and what what the end game is in terms of sanctions um, so so I mean in, in your view then how could they have been better employed or or how can they be better employed in the future yeah I, I think it's more about thinking how can we refine the sanctions regime for the future and so what I've argued for in, in, in some blogs, and I'd like to continue doing this, is that um, what we should be doing is, is to think about fitting these Russian sanctions within a more fully articulated sanctions regime. I think that requires legislation, legislation passed in the major parliaments, House of Congress in the US, um, the European Parliament, the UK Houses of Parliament, saying with, with an agreed approach to say, these are the sanctions we're maintaining and these are the conditions under which they will be removed. And then then it becomes a matter of debate what those conditions are. Obviously, as you said, it would have to be with Russian withdrawal from Ukraine, but we probably um, want a little bit more than that. We want some admission uh, or or willingness to uh, examine uh, evidence of war crimes. Um, yeah. we, we, we might say, okay, we don't, if, if they're processed properly and adequately in the Russian system, that will be, you know, might be acceptable, or it might be bringing uh, perpetrators to account at the uh, International Criminal Court. But if we, if we go that far, then we're also saying that this is a longer term 
conflict that will con continue probably until the political regime changes inside of Russia. Because yeah. uh, it's only at that point they'd be willing to admit and confront what's actually been undertaken in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but I think that raises the big question. We've, 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 we've put a lot of pressure on Russia in terms of sanctions, but the crisis is not a short-term one. It's one that's going to continue, well, certainly for months, but I expect for years to come. In, in, a, in a crisis of which, of, which lasts for, for such a long period of time, what actually we're trying to achieve with sanctions in that context? And is it, is it something which is we're going to simply push to one side when things have got a bit quieter? Or, or are, we, are we trying to use sanctions as a way to require Russia to comply with a rule-based international order, which it clearly isn't at the moment? No, no. Okay, well, Alistair, that's, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. This show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other platforms. I hope you join us again. <laughs>